0: Well, it's great to be with you this evening, and today uh, we're launching my new book called The Isaac Factor, Getting Ready for More of the Holy Spirit. And this book really began as a journey in my life. I'd just gone through one of those tests that all Christians go through. How many of you know all Christians go through tests? And at the time, we might not like it. I didn't like it. Uh, but we know, well, if we were mature enough to be like James, we would consider it all joy when he we went through various trials, because we know that at the end of the trial, we're more blessed than we were at the beginning. It's the middle bit that's difficult, isn't it? Well, I was going through one of those tests, a particular test in my life. We all have tests that are particular to us, and it had been a difficult test, a tough test, I was glad I was through it. I'd never want to go through it again. And I was thinking about, although it was a hard test and difficult period in my life, uh, I was thinking how much work God had done inside me, matured me, drawn him, cl- drawn me closer to, to me, taught me how to pray things through. And uh, I realized that I had tried to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and to keep anger and uh, manipulative ways Uh, that wouldn't be the Lord, out of it, and to be spiritual. And so I gave myself a grade. I marked myself seven out of ten for getting through that test. Alex, I don't know if you'd have marked me higher or lower being a teacher, but I marked myself seven out of ten. And then, as I was meditating on what God had done in me and through me during this test, I felt the Holy Spirit speak deep down on the inside, and he said, well done, you've passed that test. I felt affirmed and then he went on to say well done you passed that test but you're still not ready for my greatest test. My heart sunk. I thought what's going to happen to me now? I started worried about health issues or family issues and, and my mind immediately had all these disaster scenario tests that I wasn't ready for. And all that happened in an instant because the Lord had still not finished his sentence. His false sentence was this. Uh, well done, you passed that test, but you're not ready for my greatest test, the test of my blessing. Now when I heard that, I was puzzled. I thought, the test of my blessing, how can a blessing be a test? And it began, I began to think and to pray about it. And I thought, well, if I'm not ready for the test of his blessing, what would that blessing be that would be his greatest test in my life? And what would be his greatest blessing? And I realized that the greatest blessing that God can give any human being on the earth today is the Holy Spirit and more of the Holy Spirit. Well, when Jesus said, he said, when we go to our Father and, and ask him, uh, and, and we as uh, Relatively evil parents, if our kids ask us for bread or, or for fish or for an egg, we won't give them a stone or a scorpion or a snake. And then Jesus says, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit and more Holy Spirit to all that ask him? Luke says that Jesus also taught this and said, How much more will God give all good things to those who ask him? And so when we ask for good things, the, the goodest thing we could ever ask for is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and circumstances in great power, he brings all the good things with him. I mean, if you know that when you have uh, great measures of the Holy Spirit, you don't need anything else. He brings everything else with him that you need. He's the answer to all our questions. He's the answer to all our prayers. I remembered that R.T. Kendall had spoken about the last end time outpouring revival of the Holy Spirit and said that it would be Isaac. And so I began to study the figure of Isaac as a man who knew how to believe God and walk with God in famine times. But also Isaac knew how to deal with the great blessings of God. God blessed him above everybody around him in a famine And during that time when he was greatly blessed and empowered, he didn't lord it over those that were around him. He was still a man of peace. And so this is why it's called the Isaac Factor. This book really is to help you get ready for God's blessing. Because God's blessing will spoil the immature. And the immature will spoil the blessing. So God takes time preparing you so that he can give you more of his blessing, more of his Holy Spirit that brings everything that you need for what he's called you to do. More, 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 but he's trying and to partner with us so that we can get into the place where we're mature enough to handle the blessing of God. That's what God is doing in your life. So if you want to know what God is doing in your life, how to deal with tests and trials, if you want to know how to mature so that you can have more blessing, that God can trust you with more of the Holy Spirit. You see, more of the Holy Spirit is not just for cell leaders or pastors or specialist intercessors. More of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Because more of the Holy Spirit of more of God's blessing. If you're a business person, wouldn't you like more of the Holy Spirit's anointing? If you were a business person, wouldn't you love to have the Holy Spirit partnering in your business, making those deals, giving you favor? Why? If you had the fullness of God's blessing on your business, you'd soon start making a lot of money, wouldn't you? But would you be able to handle that money when it came? Would we still see you in the church? Would you still be tithing and giving? Would you still be in a cell group? Or, Or would that money turn your head from the Lord? So we want God's blessing on everything that we do. So this book is is really, uh, it's it's many different chapters. Uh, They're not long chapters. There's pictures in it as well. And um, it's not a heavy book. It's only 100 pages. But I believe it's a strategic book to help you get ready for more of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Some chapters look at Isaac, but other chapters look at other aspects of the Holy Spirit and, and discipleship in a Holy Spirit context Some of the chapters aren't chapters at all. They're mini devotions to help you look into your own heart and ask yourself what God is doing. So that's there for you. Um, I'm not taking uh, any royalties from these books that are being sold through Kensington Temple. All my royalties of these books sold in Kensington Temple or going to our Arabic Missions Fund. It's my part of, of helping fundraising for that. So just to let you know that, I don't get a, a penny out of these. They're 99 or you can buy two for £15. Uh, if you're watching with us today on the internet, uh, welcome to you. You can get this on Amazon, British Amazon, American Amazon and European Amazon at the same price Of 799. So that's there for you. Well, tonight I'm going to minister on a theme that sort of links with the Isaac factor, but I'm not teaching directly out of it. Although, if I did put another chapter in it, this might be uh, the chapter that I would put in it. And tonight I want to minister to you on getting ready for the year of the Lord's favor. Getting ready for the year of the Lord's favor. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, uh, access to a Bible, to Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Now, this is a very important chapter because when Jesus began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, 16, he turned to Isaiah 61 and, um, and the first few verses Of Isaiah 61, he read out about the Spirit of the Lord being upon him to preach good news. And having read that section, he sat down and he said that this this scripture was fulfilled in their presence that day in Nazareth. It was the launch of his ministry. Now, Isaiah 61, as you'll see, is speaking about... The year of the Lord's favour, or what we call the year of jubilee. I'll explain this in a minute, but the year of the Lord's favour, or the year of jubilee, in the Old Testament, was every 50 years. Every 50 years, there was the year of the Lord's favour, or the year of jubilee, uh, that they called it. And during that year, again, I'll show you this, many wonderful things happened, uh, your debts were forgiven many all slaves were freed uh, if many many prisoners were also freed from prison uh, land that you, that was in the family's inheritance that you had sold was given back to you and it was a period of restoration this was every 50 years all these marvelous things took place and isaiah 61 is speaking about this year of the lord's favor And so you're going to have this note of of captives being freed, restoration, uh, prisoners freed, uh, uh, all types of wonderful things taking place, all right? And this is the chapter that Jesus said, this defines my ministry. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former dev- devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks, foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory in your, their glory, you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the offspring of the Lord and blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, he has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a god garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. A wonderful passage, the launching, the, the inaugural sermon of Jesus before he began his uh, three and a half ministries of of miraculous uh, signs and wonders and salvations and sermons and teachings and preachings and and the gospel of forgiveness. It was out of this sermon, the favourable year of the Lord. And what Jesus was saying is that the favourable year of the Lord had come in fullness in his ministry. And then he began to minister this favourable year. He began to minister this year of jubilee uh, throughout his three and a half years. If you would come to me now to Leviticus 25 verse 8, because I want you to get a feel of what this year of jubilee or the favourable year of the Lord was like in the Old Testament. Remember, it was the 50th year. Every 50 years there would be a year of jubilee. The English word jubilee is based on the Hebrew word trumpet. The year of jubilee, the Sabbath year, the year of the Lord's favour, Leviticus 25 verse 8. You shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud loud trumpet, the jubilee. On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all the land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, when each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his clan, that fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field. And it goes on to explain this year of jubilee. But this fiftieth year, now it talks about seven weeks of uh, seven uh, times seven years And seven weeks of years. And so what what we're talking about this is seven times seven weeks of years. That's 49 years. The reason the word seven is being used here is because God is speaking in Sabbath terminology. Sabbath terminology. You know what the Sabbath is? Uh, From uh, Friday uh, uh, dusk to um, Saturday dusk, uh, that is the Jewish Sabbath. Sabbath. And that Sabbath that God instituted, even in the creative order, you remember on the seventh day after the six days of creation, God rested, do you remember that? That is such a part of true Judaism. Every seventh day, there's laws about what you can do and what you can't do in the Mosaic law. But this seventh day, it was so holy, it was a special day, a day of rest. In many cultures, they never had a day of rest. Their, their slur, slaves and their servants and their workmen, they worked every day. But to the Jews, this was a holy Sabbath day, a day of rest, a day of peace, a day just holy to the Lord. Well, this was a Sabbath year. So we, had, um, we've, we have, if you, if you read in this passage, you have 49 years, seven times seven And then in the 50th year, the whole year was a Sabbath year. A picture of God's favour, God's rest. Do you know there's a similar thing that happened on the day of Pentecost? Do you know the day of Pentecost was 50 days after Jesus' resurrection? Did you know that? That's why it's called Pentecost. That's a Greek word for 50 So in other words, there was seven times seven days, 49. And then on the 50th day, it was a day of the Lord's favour, a day of jubilee. It was a special Sabbath and that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So when you look at the 50th year of jubilee in the Old Testament... It's a picture also of the 50th day after the resurrection, when the day, that Sabbath day, that day of Jubilee, was the coming of the Holy Spirit. A time of rest from human effort, because now it was the anointing. And this is why when we read in 61, it was all about the anointing, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring captives out, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring restoration, to bring a garment of praise on those that are mourning. Uh, to, if you look at Isaiah 61, it was a Spirit anointed work that was taking place on this year of favor. And so all of this blessing in Isaiah 61 was not to be the work of human flesh, but it was the work of the Holy Spirit. This year of jubilee was God. If you continue to look at Leviticus 25, you'll find that God is saying, I don't want you doing all this work on the farms. I don't want you doing all this cultivating for this jubilee year. I will feed you. You'll, You'll just take the natural produce that comes and that I've also stored up for you in the years of blessing, preparing you supernaturally for the year of jubilee. So the year of Jubilee was meant to be a year, the 50th year, where it wasn't hard labour. But you just rested and enjoyed the blessing of the Lord. And and prisoners were released out of their debts. And and if you had to sell some property during those 50 years, your family, because it was a downtime for you, you got it back. Or if you couldn't afford to keep all your family and some of them had to go into slavery... Well it's not slavery as we know it when we talk about Old Testament slavery it's not like slavery like you would think you know in the cotton fields it it was more going into service but if you had to put your children into contract to go to serve in another household because you couldn't feed them well on that year of Jubilee they were freed. Your debts were freed. If you you were in debt, it would be freed. That was God's intention. Liberty, freedom, deliverance, restoration, rest from from human labor and enjoying the labor of God, the anointing of God. So when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news, etc., etc., and to proclaim the favorable year or the year of jubilee... And and then he says, in this day, in your presence, this scripture has been fulfilled. It was the most marvellous thing that anybody could ever say. And then for three and a half years, what did Jesus do? He didn't flinch. He didn't get distracted. He ministered the favourable year of the Lord. He ministered jubilee blessing. He ministered Isaiah 61, 24-7 to the Jewish people. He healed people that were in bondage. He he delivered people from the bondage of demonic Forces. It was a year of Jubilee. Uh, He delivered people from social exclusion by healing the lepers, by cleansing the woman who was ceremonially unclean. He fed the hungry that had no food. He brought miracles and divine interventions into people that had great need. He even raised people from the dead. He spoke forgiveness, Jubilee. You are forgiven, not of your your debts, but you are forgiven, sorry, not of your physical debts, but you are forgiven of your spiritual debts to God in this three and a half jubilee ministry. He brought restoration to the sick and the infirm. He brought restoration to those who have had their hearts broken on the hard, harsh wheel of life everything he did was blessing favor grace mercy in everything that came out of his mouth teaching them the year of jubilee for three and a half years he did this to the jews it was the jews year i know it was three and a half years but we're talking a season yeah the year of a jubilee is a season it can be as long as god wants it to be spiritually speaking i'll come back to that but this year a favourable time of the Lord lasted three and a half years for the Jews. That's why he said, I've not come for the Gentiles yet. Th- this is the Jewish time of favour. That's why when you read in Isaiah 61, the Gentiles are mentioned, aren't they? Even they're going to, in the end, get in on the favourable year of the Lord. And that's why Jesus spoke from Isaiah 61, a strong Gentile, non-Jewish element in it, the blessing of the favor of God's anointing and Holy Spirit is going to come on the Jewish people and then it's going to overflow right to the Gentiles for the whole world. Three and a half years Jesus ministered to the Jews and then three and a half years the ministry to the Jews continued after Pentecost When Pentecost came, we find this incredible ministry of jubilee, liberty and freedom by the anointing and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thousands got saved, 3,000 men and women and on top of that on the first day. What liberty, what freedom miracles and signs and wonders and revival and outpouring of the anointing on the capital Jerusalem and then it spread out and the power of God was moving just like under Jesus three and a half Jesus three and a half years Jesus ministering the year of the Lord's favor three and a half years the disciples ministering the year of the Lord's favor to the Jews seven years altogether. And this seven-year time of favour for the Jews began to end on Stephen's death in Acts 7. That was seven years from when Jesus said, it's time, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, to when Stephen died, that was seven years. And then the year of the Lord's favour began to turn from the Jews onto the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 8... The Spirit of the Lord, the the blessing of God, the year of the Lord's favour, the jubilee, began to move into Samaritan circles. And then we find in the same chapter, chapter 8, that the Ethiopian gets a special visitation of the year of of the Lord's jubilee, gets born again, baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we also find that in chapter 9 Saul gets radically saved and he is called to minister the year of the Lord's favour to the Gentiles. So this is trying to give you a picture of how the Holy Spirit works. There was a special seven year revival. You know when we talk about revival we could talk about the year of the Lord's favour or a jubilee. There was a seven-year jubilee specifically for the Jews, a seven-year revival specifically for the Jews. But when the Jews began to resist and reject that seven years of favour, culminating in the stoning of Stephen, presided over by the high priest himself, the Holy Spirit seeing that that Time of Jubilee had been rejected and it was all part of God's plan. Then moved to take the Jubilee anointing to the Gentiles. Now, you can see this in, um, if you want to read Romans chapter 9 through 11, Paul is dealing with this because people are going to Paul later on. How come the Jewish people aren't getting saved like they used to? they were coming in their thousands in these seven years of Jesus and the disciples how come the jewish people aren't getting saved and paul says that was their season of favor but now there is a hardening that's come into their hearts but that hardening has allowed the gentiles to be blessed but Paul, a Jew, said, but let me tell you something, the year of Jubilee will come back to the Jewish people, and there will be an end time revival. I'm trying to give you a theological background to when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news, all of this was the background. And so, when we talk about the year of the Lord's favour, we're talking about revival. We're talking about the Spirit of the Lord's anointing. The anointing, it was always the Holy Spirit. Jesus waited to the right moment till he was baptized in the Holy Spirit before he proclaimed the favorable year of the Lord. The disciples were told to stay in Jerusalem until you receive the anointing from on high and then you know the favorable year of the Lord is upon you. Throughout church history, we see times of refreshing. We see times of the favourable year of the Lord coming to different people in different places at different times. It's called the history of revival. The first book I ever read is called Land of Hope and Glory, British Revivals Through the Ages. You can get it for three pounds, I think. And that, that is just a snapshot chapter on each of the uh, main revivals that took place from the, uh, from the uh, uh, Roman times right through to last century in Great Britain. Each one of those revivals was a ministry of the Jubilee, favorable year of the Lord, where God visited Wales, or God visited England, or God visited Scotland, or God visited all thro- uh, Ireland, or all all four of them at the same time, and and there was a season of great anointing where things that would take years to accomplish took days, where the the ongoing work of the church was suddenly turbo-boosted and supercharged by the Spirit of the Lord with a great and extraordinary anointing. You know, God is at work just as much when there is not an outpouring of His Spirit As when there is an outpouring of his spirit. I explained this in the Isaac factor. God is always at work. God is as powerfully at work behind the scenes when we say, Where are you, Lord? as when he is center stage pouring out his gifts pouring out his blessings, pouring out his convicting anointing, pouring out his miracles, pouring out his interventions for all to see. He's as powerful, powerfully at work when we can't see him at work as when he is fully in view. This is one of the things that we must understand because God is as powerfully at work in our lives preparing us for a year of jubilee as he is when that jubilee comes. I prophesy to you. This book is a prophecy. It's a prophecy that God is preparing a people for a fresh year of jubilee anointing. And this book is a prophecy to help us get ready for that. You know, a lot of people are hoping that God's going to pour out his spirit in power, but are by no means ready for when that takes place. Because we don't realize that when God pours out his spirit in power, it takes a lot of maturity to be able to handle that blessing. And this works on many different levels. Like I said, what if God came in a favorable year, jubilee anointing upon your life? What if God just began to bless you? I mean, you know, like he blessed Isaac, it's in the book, but he began to bless everything you did. He began to bless your finances. He began to bless your career. He began to bless your relationships. He began to bless your ministry. I mean, he just blessed it and blessed it. The Spirit of the Lord was upon me and it was upon me and it was upon me and it was upon me. And and everything I did was anointed and the anointing broke the yoke and brought the prosperity and, and blessed. And it was just a river of Holy Ghost Favorable year, jubilee, outpouring, restorations, healings—everything that's in life. What if God began to give you that kind of Veda? Would you spoil it, or and would it spoil you? Would you be able to handle it? Would all the things in your flesh and your self-life that have yet to be yielded suddenly begin to rise up and uh, and take the blessing for granted? Uh, would you not be able to cope with that kind of power? Would you go haywire? Would you fall into sin? Would you become arrogant? Would you think more of yourself? Would you, reali- would you begin to take the anointing for God for granted instead of realizing that you're just a simple vessel that God's choosing to bless in order to be a blessing? Think about Abraham, one of the greatest, most blessed men in, the, in history. He was blessed to be a blessing. You see, these are the sort of things that I address in the book that we've got to come to terms with because I desire God's blessing on your life. I want an increase in jubilee anointing on your life, on your finances, on your ministry, on your workplace. I want you to receive an outpouring of the favour of the Lord. When we talk about powerful Uh, touches of the favor of the Lord this is what we're talking about the year of the Lord's favor the jubilee and so God wants to give us more of his Holy Spirit why because the greatest thing you can have on the earth is the Holy Spirit and then more of the Holy Spirit there's nothing else if you have the Holy Spirit then more of the Holy Spirit you don't need anything else because you'll have a partner that will be able to get you through whatever you need to get you through You'll have more of the Holy Spirit to defeat the devil. More of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called you to do. More of the Holy Spirit to be a blessing to those that need it. More of the Holy Spirit upon your sharing of the gospel. More of your Holy Spirit on the releasing of the gifts. More of the Holy Spirit involved in your family. More of the Holy Spirit when you hit your when you fall to your knees and begin to pray and the anointing begins to flow through you. More of the Holy Spirit when you lift your voice and begin to worship more of the holy spirit more of the holy spirit when you meet broken people you'll have more of the holy spirit to speak the right words and to pray and see deliverance when you see people captivated by sin and 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 devilish thinking you'll be able to break the bonds of the enemy the yoke will be broken not by you but by the jubilee anointing that's upon you to flow through you this is glorious this is marvelous This is wonderful. This is favor. This is jubilee. Now, I I, I said uh, that um, uh, this is an anointing. This is an anointing. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. That's why we're seeking for the Spirit. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. That's why the year of jubilee is all about the Holy Spirit coming. It's the Holy Spirit's work. That's why it's the Sabbath anointing. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes in power, in revival, when the year of the Lord's favour comes again to a people or a nation or a situation or even an individual, and when the Holy Spirit comes, something begins to happen. Human work turns into divine work. God's enabling does it. It's the Sabbath rest. I mean, when Jesus was going around healing the sick and delivering all those that were oppressed by the devil, he didn't have to work up a sweat. It was on him. He just spoke the word and they were healed. He laid hands on the sick and they were healed. It was the same in the three and a half years of favour from Pentecost. Uh, You know, Peter would walk around and someone just get in his shadow. How, How much hard work is it to minister the gospel and the healing anointing when you're walking down the street and someone just steps into your shadow. Do you need to sit down for a slice of toast and a cup of tea to get your breath back? Oh, I'm so tired because I, I expended so much energy in the healing minute. Someone just walked in your shadow, you didn't even know. I mean, how easy does it get when shadows heal The sick. What kind of anointing? When there's Paul and he's like, oh, I'm just doing a bit of tent making here. And then he takes his apron off and goes, oh, that's hot, hot work. And puts it down and then goes away and comes back and it's gone. Because someone's picked it up and began laying it on all the sick. And every person upon whom that rag of sweat touches is healed while Paul is sitting back watching the World Cup. And the anointing is doing its work through his work clothes. Are you going out ministering tonight, Paul? No, I'm staying in. I'm going to watch Germany lose because someone's got my apron and they're taking it out and they're laying it on and the Holy Ghost is so powerful. There's so much jubilee here. There's so much favour here that people are getting healed with my apron. Are you getting a taste of what this could look like? It's liberty, it's freedom. Things, things that take years take months when the Holy Spirit comes. Things that would take months normally in the life of the church take weeks when the Holy Spirit comes in jubilee power. Things that take weeks take days. Things that take days take hours. Things that take hours take minutes. Things that take minutes take seconds. Things that take seconds take instances. And people are healed and communities are changed by the Jubilee liberating power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed us. Whew. We gotta get that anointing. The Holy Spirit is working in us to bring us into that anointing. It, he is wakening in your heart a hunger. For the anointing, a hunger for jubilee, a hunger to see the captives freed in Great Britain, a hunger to see God's name glorified again, a hunger to see God come from behind the curtain out of view of Great Britain, where he's working very powerfully, by the way. He's getting the stage set. He's getting his people ready. And we're hungering for him to come out in bring that jubilee anointing once more, May's grace give us one more outpouring of jubilee anointing where we begin to minister, not in our own strength or our own sweat, but we begin to realise, my God, I just, I preached a sermon. A sermon I preached many times and it had such a tremendous effect. I don't know what the difference was. The great revivalist Jonathan Edwards who's known for his preaching He came into a jubilee season of the Lord. And sermons he'd preached before with, they were good sermons, they had a bit of an effect, had sweeping effects. His most famous sermon was uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he'd preached that before and he preached it afterwards, but there was a time when the Holy Spirit just owned that sermon. People were so shaken by the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his message, that they were holding on to the church uh, uh, beams and, and pillars. They were holding on because they felt like they were slipping into hell. It was so real to them that they felt that they had had it. It's the Jubilee year of the Lord. It's when we begin to move into effortless or increasingly effortless anointing I'm not saying there's not a price to pay for this but when we enter into it as the Holy Spirit increases in power you'll find less effort more yielding and more anointing it's a rest anointing a Sabbath anointing it doesn't mean we all sit back and do nothing no no when revival comes it's the busiest time the church ever experiences but it's a busy holiday it's busy, but it's wonderful. You ever been on a, a, a holiday that's an activity holiday? I remember when I was young at school, we went to the Ardesh on a PGL uh, holiday. And so we were there for two weeks and we did sailing and canoeing and, and rock climbing and all, the, all this type of thing. Every day was packed with activities. But when we got back, we felt so refreshed. Why? Because it was an activity holiday. And although we were very, very busy, it was a holiday environment. Well, when the revival comes, we'll be busier than we've ever been. But the work will be doing by the Holy Spirit. We'll be so busy trying to catch up with what God is doing. There'll be so many souls being saved, we won't know what to do with them. That's why we have a vision of cells that we hope will be able to multiply if multiplication comes. Many of the Welsh revivals swept in 50, 60,000 people into the kingdom in a few months but they had no idea what to do with them and a few years later it was all lost. They couldn't keep up with the effort of the Holy Spirit. Thank God God is working in his church all the time, always saving, always healing, always delivering, but not in the intensity or the magnitude of a jubilee move. In the Old Testament there was a Sabbath every week, there were special Sabbath holidays, but there was nothing like the year of jubilee. I mean you didn't get to experience many of them, probably two maximum so when that year of Jubilee came around, it was almost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to experience that season of grace and mercy and liberty. Let me say one more thing about the year of Jubilee, because in, in, in this note of blessing, there's also <clears throat> a, a note of warning. I'll, I'll read it from, from Luke chapter 4, where Jesus um, quotes it from Luke 4:18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, he stops there, but if you were to read on in Isaiah 61, it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. What do we mean by this? I think I just need to let you know this so you have a full theology here tonight. You see, when when God's blessing comes, responsibility and appreciation is expected by God. Stewardship, maturity is absolutely vital in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to ensure that none of the new wine is lost. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 20, Jesus addresses some cities that had been experiencing the jubilee anointing but had not been appreciating it. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20. Listen to this, it's in the context of a jubilee year of the Lord faith ministry. Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than you. So when God's favor comes, there comes great responsibility. Not to take it for granted. I speak about taking God for granted, in in the Isaac factor is a danger and a warning. And then let let me also finally do this and we'll, we'll go into a time of ministry. Luke 19 and verse 41. Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. He's prophesying the great destruction of the temple in AD 70. Why? Let's listen. Luke 19, 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it Of your visitation. This is why we're crying out to the Lord for for Europe, because Europe has had so much of the Lord's favor in history. Other nations are now receiving their time of favor, but we're believing God, because if you believe God and, and cry out to God for more of His Holy Spirit, you know, even that crying out is the Holy Spirit preparing you for it. Remember, and I finish on this if we, being relatively evil parents compared to God, We'll give food to our children who are hungry. How much more? How m- Everybody say, how much more? <laughs> how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Let's stand to our feet right now and ask for more of the Holy Spirit. We'll be selling these books at the end of the service. And if you want me to sign your book, I can do all of that. But right now, we're just going to ask for the Lord's favor because this can come in different levels of anointing. It's not all or nothing. God builds and grows and matures and takes us from glory to glory. Why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord or open yourself to the Lord. Someone can play uh, on the piano and get ready and just, and just ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Ask him right now. Say, Lord, we're going to sing that song, Jonathan, in a few moments. Lord, prepare me a sanctuary. We're going to say, Lord... Sorry, no, um, okay, that was rhetorical. We're going to be saying, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary that can hold the glory of God. We're going to say, Lord, work in me as you have been working so that I can handle more of the blessing, more of the glory, more of the Holy Spirit, not just for my blessing, but more importantly, to to, to receive a blessing, to be a blessing. Lord, work in our hearts and pour out the favourable year of the Lord, the anointing. Lord, we've done it many times in our own strength and we've gone in the little strength that you've given to us. But we're believing that you're preparing a people they are going to be, a, be able to carry extraordinary levels of Jubilee anointing, extraordinary levels of anointing that won't be fleshly effort, that will be God at work and we'll be, as it were, at rest busy but at rest because God is doing the work through his sanctified people. We don't want to get in the way. We want to be partners. We want to be prepared. We do want to be sanctuaries. And so we're going to sing that song right now. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And as you're doing, you say, Lord, make me ready for more of the Holy Spirit and give me more of the Holy Spirit.